I planned to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. All right, Robbie. Hey, today, uh, Robbie, we're, uh, we're, we've got an awesome Ditch Digger CEO podcast, buddy. Number one, I'm, I'm happy to have you here with me. Uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're a future leader, and a leader actually now and a future executive, in my opinion. And our, hopefully our, one of our businesses or, or, or any business that you choose in the future, because you've got the you've got what it takes. But uh, I tell you, you're going to learn a lot today from a leader we have that we're interviewing today. I, I, I have had conversations with Bonnie in the past and uh, always, always so much fun because she's so, she's so sharp and optimistic and, and uh, really understands leadership in so many ways. Uh, so, so you're going to have a blast as we interview her. So throw a lot of tough questions at her. Dig, dig a little mm. deep. She'll, she's willing to get a little personal with us and dig a little deep. But uh, so uh, I, I'm excited as heck. To, uh, to have Bonnie, Bonnie Will Kramen on, our, on, our, on the line here today. Bonnie, welcome to Ditch Digger CEO. Thank you, Gary Raybine. I'm a big fan of yours and um, just really honored to be here on your podcast. Thanks, sir. Thanks a lot. You know, you had me on your podcast like about a year ago, maybe, was it? Yeah, Baker? yeah. Probably about a year ago. And uh, you've been a uh, mentor to my, you know, my right hand, my, uh, Debbie, yes. who's my executive administrator my she, she she follows me around and does everything I do pretty much and probably a lot more than I do in businesses sometimes and uh, her value is incredible to me so when she uh, she joined your organization she could she couldn't talk enough about your organization and and this Bonnie this character Bonnie what you, <laughs> Bonnie says this and Bonnie talks about this and you need to listen to hear about what Bonnie says about that right so uh, we, I heard I heard from you that way first. And then yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting you uh, with a conversation, and then eventually got in your podcast. So it was a blast. So so thanks for being there. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Love it. Um, we, we want you know Robbie and I are going to fire some questions, but we want you to you know really go into your background and you know your upbringing and and you know what makes you who you are today. So I believe it starts with a childhood and and your yeah. your mentors mentors as a kid, right? Mentors uh, early on in your in your work career and all that. Um, and, and, you know, these are the things that shape us today from, from, you know, who we were yesterday. So, so I, I really would love to do that. And then as, as you, as you talk, I think Robbie and I will throw some questions at you here and there to 
really get a full understanding of Bonnie and who you are and what, what created this uh, awesome uh, Wonder Woman that you are today. So uh, if you could start for this uh, with kind of your, you know, your, your background, where you came from, where sure. you grew up. And, uh, we got, we do well. about, we'd like to go about an hour. We'd like to go about an hour. Yeah. All the time. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl. I grew up in a small town called Belleville, New Jersey. And um, you're right that childhood impacts your whole career. Uh, My own upbringing is that dad was an accountant. Mom was a legal secretary. So I come by my obsession with office supplies by DNA. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I'm Jewish. And I experienced quite a bit of anti-Semitism when I was young and, you know, from not physically beaten up, fortunately, but verbally and emotionally. And I honestly believe as I look back at ages seven, eight, nine, which are so influential in a person, in a little kid's life, that um, what that did drew a direct line to what I'm doing today because what I understood from such an early age was the feeling of being judged unfairly Mm. was the idea of feeling left out of feeling like an alien in a group of people and not really understanding why. And so from very early on, I, I really got the concepts of discrimination and racism And, um, and the idea that as I grew older, I was drawn to those people who I saw being left out Hmm. and underestimated because what they, you know, I, I often had the thought, they don't even know me. They don't even know me and they're judging me. And what I found myself is get having like a hypersensitivity to others who were feeling exactly the same way. What, so, what, commu- what, what kind of community did you grow up in? Was it, was, was, there wasn't a lot of uh, Jewish families in that right. community you grew yeah. up in? Or what? Tell us about that. If, um, if you and your audience have ever seen the show, The Sopranos, sure. you know, uh, that, that TV show was actually filmed in the town I grew up in, uh, which was pretty much 90 to 95% Italian. Wow. And, um, you know, mom and dad thought they were doing a good thing by moving there because there were some other Jewish families. But here's the clincher is that I had no other Jewish kids in my grade. You can see how that would make a difference. So I was the only one. It's so interesting. And then I have a son who's 31 and he is an only child. So what I'm about to say may not make total sense, but I was determined to not allow him to be the only one of anything except he is an only child. But I mean, he, I didn't want him to be the only Jew or the only boy or the, the only blonde-headed kid. Yeah. Um, and, and in my family, I you know, really was um, very, I felt an urgency to send a message that everyone is deserving of respect. Everyone is worthy of really being understood for, for who they were. And that sure. means in many times digging underneath the surface and in my work with assistants who are mostly women, 95 no. to 98% female, with sure. so many women who are not eager to reveal who they really are immediately because mm-hmm. they're taught when they're young, don't, don't brag, don't toot your own horn yeah. too, too heavy. Yeah. I have a way of 
really understanding them pretty quickly. So there is an absolute connection to what happened then, to what's happening. Wow, yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, because, yeah, the people you represent um, across the country, right? Around the world. Exactly, but since around the world, right? Um, boy, you know, you can bring so much to to, to enrich enrich their lives and leadership, right. um, and and, and uh, get them to think uh, a little little bolder maybe than they might otherwise. Because um, I know you and I had a conversation before about the value of what you do and the value of these 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 assistants, right? I mean, when you look at the, the what it costs for for a great CEO, it depends on the size of the company. Let's just say mm-hmm. between three hundred thousand dollars a year for a small business CEO to a to a ten million dollar CEO, right? Sure. If that, if that, if that, if that is executive assistant could could take the you know 50 percent off that executive's plate, um, so they can focus on the 60 percent that they're great at, right? Um, right. Oh, I think of the value of that, right? And that's that's what I realized when I hired Debbie because I never had an executive assistant before right. Debbie about eight or eight years ago, nine years ago, I think she she came on board, <clears throat> and I just thought, ah, you know what? I mean, we're a small business, and I don't want anybody else to have assistance, so we're, we do it on our own. We handle it, right? But then, actually, when I when I, and Debbie came along, and I I, I I realized I needed somebody, I couldn't believe how much more efficient I could be doing the things I love doing that I was better at, right? right. Um, and and she took on all these things that I was. She's twice as fast, not not twice, ten times as fast as me at, right? So. So when you think about the value, it's not like uh, you know, it's not like oh yeah, they're worth uh, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 thousand dollars. If that CEO is a you know four or five hundred thousand dollars CEO, boy, that person's worth golly a, a lot more than that, right? And if you're and, and if you're a multi million dollar CEO, boy, holy cow, that that executive assistant is worth a ton. And and again, for for people that don't have a great executive assistant, then I say a great one because you can have. I know people that have executive assistants that probably really aren't real executive assistants that that you uh, are used to being around and, and mentoring and all that. Um, but boy, when they're good, they're it's a great, it's an amazing experience. And yeah. and for you to give them the confidence to lead, I, you, you and I had this conversation that you know I'm confident that you know a, a person like Debbie could be a CEO at a company, and and you know she doesn't you know really she's not interested in that. Mm-hmm. But boy, you know what? Um, she had to be a CEO in our organization for some time when my wife went uh, had brain surgery, and she was she was amazing, and you know she yeah. she'd answered 98 percent of the questions that I'd be asked. She knew the answers to, right? And the two percent that that she didn't know, she called me, right? And right. so think about that when you can when you can have an executive assistant that can actually take over your job in a crunch compared to you know hiring a part time CEO or you know having your COO take over or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if you do a great job in in, in grooming uh, executive assistants, they're they're closer to that to understand that that executive than than anybody else. So. What a, what a great what a great value you brought just to our organization and so how many how many how many how many people in your organization all together Bonnie? Uh, only six there are only six people six people okay. from and, where uh, so um, they're all over the place uh, accountant and lawyer and bookkeeper and my co-teacher Vicki Evans is based in uh-huh. Austin Texas and my partner, who lives here with me, um, who happened to be my high school boyfriend from Belleville High, uh, oh, he awesome. worked for yeah, 
he worked for Hewlett Packard for 36 years. Wait, so wait a minute, is that is, is that the high school that uh, Tony's kids went to too? Tony, uh, uh, yeah. Probably. <laughs> I'm not sure they mentioned that on the show, but yeah, it, yes, we grad we both graduated from Belleville High. So yeah, those are the people. It's a very small team. Oh, and I've added um, a new instructor fairly recently, Monique Kelstrom, and she's fabulous. Um, because we're taking the class online. The, the class is Be the Ultimate Assistant. Uh, this is the ninth, ninth year. And we take the class all over the world. So I met your assistant, Debbie, in Chicago. And she's been mm -hmm. at our class um, at least two times, two, maybe three mm -hmm. times. But it, this work has taken me to 14 countries and 38 states. Okay, so how in in your tell tell me about your 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 organization then? Uh, you know how many people are are members, all that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, well, literally, we have had a thousand in person students, but twenty five thousand or more online students and I have a very big following on social media. So social mm -hmm. media has played a huge part in the growth of my business, uh, especially sure. since I'm a writer and, you know, I have a book, Be the Ultimate Assistant. And it was through the writing that uh, opened up the community to me. And uh, there are many online groups via LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter who know me and now trust me. And part of my class is that I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with every student who comes to my live class. So we only max out the class at 30 students. And I've been told by a lot of entrepreneurs that, wow, that's a lot of time, Bonnie, to have one-on-one -on -one calls with every student. And yes, it is. But with this community, it's that personal touch that makes all the difference in the world. And, mm -hmm. and now I'm working on my next book based on those thousand conversations, you know? Nice. And, and to be on the phone with these assistants who are supporting leaders like you, Gary, give, ha, gives me access to information that I, honestly, I don't believe many people have mm -hmm. because I under have an understanding of what is going on globally in sure. this profession uh, because the assistants are telling me so. They're telling yeah. me one-on-one -on -one about the challenges, the the, you know, are they um, outsourcing? Are they, you know, the, you know, big pain buttons like blowing out all the walls for open floor plans? You know, like nitty gritty things that help me speak to leaders like you about what is it that's really causing the challenges for assistance, sure, in, and leaders in the world. Yeah. Bonnie, first, uh, thank you for joining today. We're beyond grateful for you to join. Uh, Thank you. One of the questions that comes to my mind in terms of thinking through your past experience and how you grew up and where you're at today is trying to just gather a better understanding of how we as a society can improve mm -hmm. at an earlier age the way to empower individuals, specifically those of a minority demographic. Yeah. And I know corporate America is starting to do a better job with diversity and inclusion initiatives and trying to even out the gap that we have uh, at the moment. But I think that a lot of it goes back to, like you said, your roots and the way that you're raised. Uh, okay. So I'm interested, I guess, A, to understand um, what you're seeing being done today for the younger generation, and then B, uh, what you still 
view as a potential gap for us to close. Um, great question, Grabi. You know, discrimination and bias begins around the kitchen table. That's what I understand is it begins around the kitchen table in a family and the language that you hear, you know, I'm a writer. I know the power of words, the written word and the spoken word and, and how that can get ingrained. And that's how belief systems are created. Um, you know, I, I follow a lot of leadership experts and one of the ideas that keeps coming forward is that the, the fastest way to break down barriers between people and in ch because children are Nelson Mandela has said it that, that we are not born with bias and and feeling discriminating towards other people that's a learned belief mm -hmm. so the fastest way to break that down is simply to have conversations is simply to to be in a room with people who are not necessarily like you and and to find the areas of commonality and that's one of the things I love about my class is that we have 20 somethings alongside 30, 40, 50, 60. But, you know, really germane to your point is what we can do better is as parents to talk the language of, of having an open mind, honestly, you know, and, and I, really don't want to get political necessarily unless you really want to go down that path. But I think that it's about staying open, about really having open eyes, open ears, and open minds. And that leads to an open heart, you know, just to observe the people around you and not to be so fast to judge. Because I don't know, Robbie, I hope you'll take this in that one of the biggest mistakes I made early on, which I do not make anymore, is to underestimate someone, is to take someone just on surface appearances or and and then only to find out that they are gold underneath it. That, does that make sense? To you? Yeah, I think that's the true definition of leadership, right? Bringing out the best version of oneself. I absolutely think that's part of it. You but what that requires, given that the half the workforce are female, in general, females, and I have seen this all over the world, not only in the United States, females require extra encouragement to reveal who they really are. Because we are trained from the time we're young around those kitchen tables the messages, the messages that they sound stereotypic, but they're real. Those messages that say, don't make trouble, don't make waves, look pretty, um, uh, don't be too loud, don't be too bossy. You know, we get a lot of don'ts and which, you know, women then grow up with these ideas and are really in need of strong encouragement to, to uh, to reveal and manifest all the talents and skills and intelligence that they have, which is amazing once you make it safe for them to, to tell you, which right. clearly Gary did with Debbie. Um, but I, I believe that based on what I know about their partnership is that Debbie was already amazing when she came to my class. But what she told me is that what she got from being around me and other 
women and men who reflected back really how talented and skilled she is, that gives confidence. And that enabled her to go back to Gary and be even more of who she was, you know? Right. So hopefully that helps, but it's complicated and it's a process for sure. So I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, totally. And, and Robbie, what I see is what I've seen in my, in my career is, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, my, between, you know, great friends in our businesses and women and men and, and, and family members, right. That, you know, my daughters, my wife, uh, you know, Debbie, people I respect, Ron, and my sisters, and and I, I think about man, they're 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 as intelligent or more intelligent, many most case, many cases or maybe most cases than, than the men around them. But when you ask, okay, man, I, I got this, I got this this position, I, I need filled, I I need somebody to take on this this challenge, and and I, you know, a guy, myself included, will say, boy, you know what? I got 30% of that figured out. I, I'll take that. I, I'll take and run with that. Right. And my, my, I'll, I'll use uh, Debbie. I'll use my, and Debbie, maybe right. more, not so much today, but she, she takes stuff on a lot that, that many people wouldn't. Um, but like my daughter, Janelle has gotten better at this. My daughter, Jordan, uh, my wife also, they, if they don't think they know something 98%, uh, they're probably not stepping in. They're like, gosh, you know what? Right. I, I'm, I think I could be good, but can I be great? I think I know 90, 95% of it, maybe 98%, but I don't know 100% of that. So I'm going to hold off, right? They're, they're, I feel like, you know, women are more apt to hold off because they don't have 100% of the answers compared to a, a guy in many cases, like, you know, myself included, where I'm just, I'm just a little maybe overconfident sometimes. And I'm like, I got that. And I, I know I'm going to rely on other people to help me because I can't handle most of the stuff myself. So I'm, I know I can delegate stuff, yeah. but I don't. And, and Gary, and so that comes yeah. from the way you were socialized when you were young and you had shared with me about your dad and and it, you, you were empowered to go for it. Yeah. And so my, um, the, what you now understand about women, the data backs you up. The data backs you up that women need to have 95% of the qualifications for a job to even go for it. So as a leader... For you to know that and for the other Mm -hmm. leaders who are listening to this podcast, for them to be on to that, because if they take no for an answer or they do not take the extra step to nurture these very bright women around them, they're really Mm -hmm. missing out on a lot of talent. Absolutely. Can we see that? Really missing out. So that's why I am really eager to get uh, in front of as many leaders as possible, most of whom are men, yeah, to reveal these kinds of ideas. Because in my in my new book, I'm absolutely writing a chapter about how women cannot be managed in the same way as men. Right, it, the same tactics do not work with each. If you want the best work out of each gender, it yeah. does serve leaders to pay some attention to what is effective. And sure. they're not teaching that in business school. No. They're not teaching this. And so my my dream, I'm going to say it out loud, is that this book I'm writing is going to be on the required reading list at business school for MBA students. Because if they're not teaching it, they need to get it somewhere for young yeah. men like you, Robbie, for you to know what Gary just, because what Gary just said to you is gold. For you to be onto that, like that's a real thing. So that when you're in the business world and you see a woman with potential, but she's not stepping forward, 
necessarily, but somehow you think it's worth a conversation, that could be your next superstar. And I would say there's there's a, a certain percentage of men that are very much the same as well, right? I know that mm-hmm. there's, there's a percentage of men that are that way, and there's a certain small per, percentage of women that are more like me as well, but just hard it's hard to come by. Small so, percentage. Small percentage is yeah. how they're raised, right? Yes. So I think there's a small percentage on both sides that are the opposite. So so it serves you, like you said, to keep an open mind, not mm-hmm. judge a book by the cover, um, because boy, we get fooled so often when we do. And, you know, my, my daughter, Janelle, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Debbie became, you know, my, my wife has been an amazing mentor to my daughter. So she's just, a, she's, a, she's like a, uh, just a natural leader at anything she jumps into. But she's one also that didn't just jump into things unless people asked her, you know, three, four times. Hey, Cheryl, I know you're, you're smart enough. I know you're, 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 right. you work hard enough. I want you to be on this board. I want you to be, you know, would you, would you be on this hospital board? Would you help start this new organization that's nonprofit? And she would eventually say, yeah, I can help. And then she'd end up leading not even understanding that she could lead. And so my, my daughter's seen that. But then Janelle in the workplace, my daughter that's now 30, in the workplace over the last eight years, uh, in our, uh, in all of our, through all our businesses, she's been in all of them pretty much to understand all aspects of business. Probably, you know, I, I, you know, her being around Debbie was probably one of the best things for her. She's been around Debbie for the last few years a lot. And, and I guarantee you, a lot of her courage in business came from Debbie saying, hey, you know, step up, tell, make sure you tell me you can do that. Hey, you know, raise your hand there, you know, Janelle, right? So Janelle recently became the president of one of our companies, about a $40 million oh, company. That's awesome. A, a, really? national, a national business, yeah. And uh, and she's doing an amazing job. And she's really, really showing great leadership courage and, and, you know, bounces things off of me and other leaders in our organization here and there. But boy, she's kind of leading on her own in a, in a, in a way stronger than I ever imagined. Um, but I think it, it was, you know, being around, you know, being raised by my wife more than me as far as a, a strong woman. But then also Debbie, you know, my, my executive assistant who's been, you know, pushing her and, and, and actually yeah. just kind of nudge her along sometimes when she probably wouldn't have stepped up. So it's really cool. Well, role models, what you're talking about is role models. And yeah, but uh, one of my favorite quotes is you cannot be it if you can't see it. You can't see it. it. So unless we see it and the most important role models in any human's life are the people who raise them. You know, clearly it's nurture nature. We have our DNA that's going through us, but then we have the people who are raising us, who are at that kitchen table when we're eating our dinners and what is the language being used and you know, to hear all the things, you know, from your wife, from you, Gary, and then from Debbie is super powerful because you get to, you know, you to see it in, in living color um, about people making mistakes and how do they, how do they ride through that? And I also believe there's great value in seeing, having role models to demonstrate how you don't want to behave. Yes, absolutely. Um, you can learn so much. You can learn just as much from the negative stuff that you know yeah. isn't right around you as you can from the positive stuff that yes. you embrace around you, right? And and so so when you, when you think of your organization and what you guys are doing, I mean, uh, the thousands of thousands of executive assistants out there, think of the value you bring in when you when you when you create this sense of uh, um, courage and, and leadership amongst them to to be not just not just helping that, that lead lead organization with their, their that executive, right? How about those people around them like Debbie did, you know, Janelle? That yeah. become leaders uh, yes. because of them too, right? I mean, it's just not, you got it's not, it. not one-dimensional. 
You know? That's it. My my goal is to I, when I go into these rooms, which are mostly populated by women, my goal is to light a fire under them and to literally come out and say that, you know, when I see the light bulbs popping over their heads and what they're getting, um, they're they are understanding what their own potential is, then I challenge them to look at the other people in their world, not only women, but men, their kids, their families, and do the same thing for them. Because mm. I, I, I do have this lofty goal. I want to change the world. There are a lot of issues that I care a lot about, including I know we want to talk about Me Too and Time's Up and the wage gap and all this stuff. I know I can't do it alone. But I know when I light a fire under the Debbies of the world, whether that's what's so gratifying is that they go back and I don't know how it's going to spin. I don't know where those seeds are going to land. And that's super fun yeah. to hear from them months later and sometimes years later about what they did with this. Yeah. And, and that's how the world is going to change for the better. Awesome. And, and hopefully it's going to happen faster for Janelle's if Janelle chooses to have children my hope, Gary, you know, she, you said she's 30, you know, that she will, her children will get it faster. I want to speed up, speed it up. I don't yeah. want it to take till women are in their forties or their fifties to get it. Right. It happen way sooner. So that's, that's my secret goal. That's not so simple. Well, what, what, what type of, what type of, um, uh, what type of vision can you can you bring to to your these these all these people, mostly women, uh, of uh, of of let's say uh, you know how how do you bring the picture of of excellence, the mm -hmm. picture of leadership within within executive assistance within your organization? I mean, what do you what tools do you use? And and tell me a little about that because that seems right. like something that can really make a difference. My workshops, my training is very interactive, and one of the first things I do is I talk about the notion of SMEs, S-M-E's. Robbie, you know what that stands for? Not on there. No. Okay, I'm, now you will. Subject yeah. matter experts. Yeah. Subject matter expertise. Everybody in any organization is a subject matter expert. Gary, you've hired tons of subject matter experts. You've, you've looked at your, their resumes and your company is filled with what I refer to as the chosen ones. Everybody's been chosen, but in, a, in any given company, we're not fully leveraging the people around us, that everybody's there for a reason. We just don't, know, don't necessarily know why. We don't know why. And we've got the conflict happening between ages and genders and all of this stuff. What I talk about in our workshops is to, at, at some length, is to discuss how everybody is a subject matter expert on many things. And I get them mm -hmm. talking and thinking about their own areas of expertise. Uh, for 25 years, I worked for the actress Olympia Dukakis, who is an Academy Award winning movie star. And, you know, theater is a collaborative art that she brought the acting and then there was the lighting designer and the set designer and the, and the makeup artist, et cetera. The workplace is very similar to that. Hmm. It, I see a correlation. It's a very collaborative sure. art. She would say to me, Bonnie, you don't have to be an expert in everything, but you do need to know who the experts are to go to to get the answers we need fast. 
So, well, bon, so Bonnie, that's amazing. I mean, because I, I mean, and Robbie, I know Robbie's thinking about this right now because his, you know, he, he's, uh, he's one of our leaders in, in, in sales and grooming mm-hmm. salespeople and account managers and, and all that. And, and, and what do we talk about, Robbie, constantly, right? Use our subject matter experts to, 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 you know, to, to bring the talent to our customers to solve their problems. Do not think that you have to be the, the, the subject matter expert yourself. Because as you said, Bonnie, I mean, you, I've written d- different books on what it takes to be an expert in anything, depending on your aptitude and your IQ, right? But yeah. you know, basically, basically, you do something for 10,000 hours, you're probably going to be an expert, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I know what I've done for 10,000 hours, the different things I've, I've focused on, right? Yeah. And, and you know what you have. So, Robbie, you know, and uh, what have you been hearing from us, Robbie? And, and, and how do you use that in our own business, Robbie? Or how do you have to in the future, right? Exactly what Bonnie said, to, to be strong yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the, the biggest key or the root of all of that is find the individual who is that expert, learn their talk tracks if it's a sales conversation or learn more about uh, the pavement and the specifics in the materials or how the aggregates laid down in order for us to more effectively service our clients. Uh, but that's not an easy thing to solve overnight. But like you said, if it's a mentorship program that we implement, which we're in the process of doing right now with mm-hmm. operations, uh, I think the more you understand the entire business, the better suited you are to service our client. And at the end of the day, that's our ultimate goal. But in, lo- in, in the long run, Robbie, if you're a sales leader, we've got some like this, right? That are really good relationship builders that don't even care to be a subject matter expert at, at 10 of the things that we mm-hmm. claim to be subject matter experts at for our customer. And that's okay as long as they, they bring the right subject matter expert to the, to the, to the table when they need to, right? So, uh, you know, and, and, that, and that's something that, you know, we're, we're, we pride ourselves on having great experts in, in things we do, some of the best subject matter, matter experts in our space. And, and it's up to us to make sure our customers have them. And some, some people are not comfortable, uh, you know, like as Bonnie's kind of referring to, some people aren't comfortable, like, you know, leveraging other people's time. But boy, if they're experts at it, I think those people are usually pretty, pretty excited about actually bringing their expertise to the table when you ask them to, right, right Bonnie? Yes. And one of the biggest complaints in the global workplace are the, uh, the assistants of the world who feel underutilized and under leveraged, but in, so it's, but it's a two way street. It's in part they're on them because they're not finding ways to reveal their talents and skills. But then I see that as a challenge on leaders leadership. And that's why I want my book to talk about the difference between how you handle men versus how you handle women. If you understand that a woman is not going to be as overt as a man to come forward and volunteer or to say what they're a subject matter expert in, Mm -hmm. then that will help them more fully leverage the team. You know, no, we don't all walk around with our resumes on us and we're all you know running as fast as we can in this climate so it is i believe it needs to be encouraged by leadership and hr um, for our staff to know that they have it, it's not only about what they do their tasks in a job description uh-huh. but it's about what they know and who they know yeah and that's full power so, I, so Robbie, so, so Robbie, what do you, what do you take out of this? You think yeah. about what Bonnie just said. If everybody on your team and our team and anybody's team, right, had 
a, a list of the subject matter experts for, for the for the um, mm-hmm. uh, the jobs that they have to fulfill or the or the the, the um, service they have to how, how they have to serve their customer. Maybe you have a customer X and that customer needs these things from you, right? You're not the expert, but who are the people in on your team or outside your team even, right? Right. That have the expertise that you can bring to the table to make you stronger, build your relationship better, right, with that customer. That's an awesome way to think about that, Bonnie. I mean, it's almost like, yeah, you you know, who is that who's that circle of influence around you that really yes. makes make you the best the best value to your customer, whoever that customer is. They are your golden resources. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're and you're on they're already on your payroll. Right, right. <laughs> That's the irony. So <laughs> I work to essentially hold up a mirror to each of them to fully embrace their own expertise, which sure. women are hard pressed to do. But once they do it, then I can go into the idea that that it's you know, to cut themselves a break because we're not we as women and some men too, but mostly women are not socialized to be collaborative and be cooperative and to seek partnerships and mentorship. Right. Very few women have mentors. Most of them want them. And you talked about having a mentorship program. Mentorship is the future. Partnerships, because this workplace is only getting more complicated by the minute, it seems to me. So there's nobody who's going to sit there and say, yeah, I'm an expert in everything. Yeah. That person is not coming to training. The people who are going to lose their jobs in this economy are the ones who say, you know what? I've been working for 20 years. I got it handled. I know it all. Those are the people you don't want on your team. Absolutely. You want want the Debbies. the, The, the key quality is curiosity. The always wanting to know more, the, the, the 50 something who sees Robbie, you at 27 and, and says, you know what, I want to, I want to have lunch with him. I want to sit yeah. down with him. Like, let us, let us do this as opposed to doing this. Exactly. And that's what I, how I begin lighting the fire under the people in my workshops. And I'll give Gary credit for that. I would say he's a, a phenom at that. A phenom. Love it. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I, uh, I love sharing, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I talk too much basically. Right. So for me, I, I like to, I like to tell stories about experiences I've had. I've naturally just like to do that. It's been fun for me to tell, you know, tell, talk about some old experiences I've had that shaped mm-hmm. who I am. Cause they're kind of fun, fun, often hillbilly type experiences that people say, no way that that couldn't have happened to you. Right. And uh, so, so that, that's, that those are fun experiences. But what I've learned is mentorship isn't about, you know, telling people what to do. Right. So, so I think part of, part of what you say, boy, mentorship is the future. And it's, but I think an understanding what a good mentor is and how to be a good mentor or how to ask the right question to be a good mentee, I think are very important. And, and when, it, when it comes to good mentorship, it's really just sharing experiences. It's easy. I think many, many people think that being a mentor is you, you got to be so smart and you got to have all the answers and, right. and you, you better be great at everything if you're going to be a mentor. No way. That's not the case, right? You, you, you have to be transparent and you, and you have to share experiences, right? But you don't tell people what to do. You don't tell. You don't shoot them. You know you should do this. You should do that. Right. You basically share experiences. Well, that's pretty darn easy, right? Especially when you think about what you said. You know, what are you an expert at? If you just focus on the things and say, "Hey, man, you know, I'm an expert in these few things. I think I spent right. ten, twenty, thirty thousand hours on these things. So I can tell you, I know a lot about these things. I'd love to share those experiences. Yeah. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you about some of these other things too. 
but man, I only got a you know a couple thousand hours of experience on this or that. So I can share experiences, but don't don't take them as gospel, you know. So I mean, I think I think uh, mentorship is the is the, is uh, such an important thing in our in our, yeah. in our life's future, and and how we share those those experiences and mentor is key. So what let me you, say one more thing about subject matter expertise, though this that I think is really important that I hear all over the world is that say you have a superstar salesperson, for example, mm-hmm. to be a great salesperson. Does what we hear is then that, that person all of a sudden is given a whole sales team to supervise. Oh. And what's absolutely true is it's not equivalent. Just because someone is a great salesperson does not equate with being a great manager of human beings. Those are two very distinct skills. So in the workplace, we hear about great lawyers, great accountants, great financial people, whatever. It doesn't mean that they manage people well and that they they need training in that that those are two very specific things and gary i suspect you've seen this in your career as well um we need to re- to really be clear on what people are talented at and, we, see that, they, we see that we see that so often exactly what you said that you know we we have a great sales person that, that really does a great job selling and relationship building and we think golly what's the next step for that person boy do you want to Manage, you want to be a sales leader and, and, and manage the sales force, right? And, and you, you get them all excited and they're saying, yeah, yeah, I want that next, right? And eventually you realize that's most often not the right way to go. Correct. It's not the right direction for that person, right? Because right. they're, they're usually, um, you know, hunters and they're out there going after it and, and they're, they're, they're not, they don't want to be slowed down by managing people that might not be as aggressive as them or not have their style, right? So Exactly. Yeah, no, you're 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 100 right on that because we we've seen it too often. Um, and and it's I think it's the same thing in anything, not just sales, right? If it's finance, if it's oh, economy, if anything, it's anything, engineering, whatever. Be a great engineer doesn't mean they can be a leader of engineers. And exactly. Manager. And in the assistant world, just because someone is a rock star executive assistant does not mean she necessarily is the perfect person to supervise the team of five. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, no, no. That doesn't work that way. Um, and, and so we need more leaders to get onto that, and and um, we talk about yeah, that. Yeah, and, and you do have the hybrids, right? I mean, we've got. I can tell you, we got a couple of hybrids that are leaders of some mm-hmm. of our companies today that they have both actually, right? They're passionate, they're they're inspirational, they're and they're and they can manage metrics on top of build relationships very strong. Yeah. They can manage metrics too, and they and they like that too. Not very common, but when you get that. It may, it may, a lot, oftentimes, I find it's an engineer or it's a it's a former military person that there's mm-hmm. a lot of structure in their lives, but they also are very inspirational. They love inspiring and leading too, right? Um, but again, it's hard to find that that the managerial mind that also is very aggressively is 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 uh, inspiring and and leading too. Um, but that when you get both, it's uh, it, they're they're invaluable. You know? Right. And that and those people need to be nurtured and to be given role models because it just doesn't right. happen by magic. It's- exactly. Cool. Bonnie, I, I say, Bonnie, I think you, you brought up a point that a lot of listeners could probably take home with some practical application in terms of the knowledge sharing in combination with the mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, there still is a slight gap in terms of recognizing what is the most important knowledge that hasn't been shared yet? So 
In your opinion, do you think that that's performance management? Is that employee engagement? Is that personal assessments? How would a company actually apply that into their day-to-day? That's, uh, yeah, great. Well, in our class, I utilize the DISC assessment, the DISC workplace personality assessment, which is pretty mainstream. It's And what I love about it is it only takes 10 minutes to take. D-I-S-C, it's an acronym. And it's not super expensive. It's not like Myers-Briggs or Strength Finder. Well, it has some similarities there. What I love about it is it's specific to a person's workplace personality. And to understand the different personalities of the people on our team and, and what drives them. What is the thing that gets them out of bed in the morning that's get, making them excited to come to the office? That's that's really important. Um, but, you know, we live in a very impersonal time, right? We've got all of this technology and the it feels very special when we can take... Uh, have a conversation one-on-one with someone else to be able to look them in the eye and not be separated by a phone, by, you know, one of these many devices that we have running around. Um, When I, a couple of things about mentorship, that if every parent who's listening knows that we mentor children and everything in the workplace, I believe it's it's not realistic or reasonable to think we can mentor other people in everything. That's crazy. We only have 24 hours in a day. That's the big common denominator. But it is realistic and reasonable to mentor other people in the one, two, or three things that you happen to be great at, that you're a subject matter expert in. What that requires, though, is putting together a list, a contact list, and understanding who your people are. And asking them the question, what are your areas of expertise that you would really feel happy helping somebody else with? So, you know, even if you're good at something, does not necessarily mean you want to mentor other people in it. So that's number one. The other thing is that I ask if I'm mentoring somebody, if I was mentoring you, for example, would be, tell me your top three challenges or questions that are burning for you? What are the top three things that come to mind that are bugging you, that are worrying you? You know, the really powerful question to say, what, what are, what's exciting you right now? And what's frightening you right now? What's worrying you? Because the answers to those questions will lead you to the places that somebody needs support and help. You know, a lot of people are worried about money. A lot of people are worried about career growth. None of us wants to look stupid. And and in the workplace, I am a huge believer in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which you probably know. And it's very basic. But after our survival of food, water, shelter, you know, we need that to live. After that, what people want is to feel respected and that they belong and that those two things are more important than money if we in the workplace in the global workplace understand that with any human because despite all these tech these uh technologies we still are human beings doing this work if we can get that everybody wants to feel important nobody wants to feel like a number most people if you ask them, if you take the time to ask, they want to feel that they are respected, 
for the job they're doing and that they belong in the system, that they have a place, that they fit, that they're important in the system of Rabine construction or Rabine industries. Um, but that takes engagement of each individual human that you've hired. Right. I think we could, in general, globally, we could do a much better job at what I just described. Yeah. I agree. I think, I think you know, building your core values to, to around that concept is huge, right? Building your core values around a place where people know they're safe, that people got their back. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's like no cattiness. There's no, you know, people, uh, you know, gunning for you, right? It's all about, you know, you know, people really caring about the people around them. And, and you know, we, we work hard to do that with our, our values. And I, and I think if, if you, if you have a solid, solid core values that you really live by and you talk about often, right? It can't be just on the wall. can't be in your brochures. Right. You got you to actually use them to mm-hmm. reward, reward by and actually sometimes fire by, right? And, and, and if, if you do that, I, I believe that, you know, people feel at home. And our, one of our biggest things is respect others, right? It sounds, sounds simple. But you know what? If you don't, if we don't have people respecting other people in our workplace, we don't want them on our team. If they can't, you know, they're not going right. to fire somebody right off the bat. But I mean, we're going to have a conversation, and if consistently they they don't respect people around them, we don't want them on our team because people need to feel like they they they're safe at work. They're not they're not being there's there's lack of respect. It's maybe an accident here or there. It's not like it was purposeful, and we get through it. But when somebody's purposeful and 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 they just they're not mm-hmm. you know they're not they're not going to be part of our culture. And and I, I just think that that's it's important to build some core values that you that you can actually you know really live by day to day and you can enforce within your organization well, and, and and it's not that not that difficult right it's it's all simple stuff accountability right that's that's one of our main ones you got to be accountable you tell your teammate you're gonna get something done you don't get it done you're letting everybody them down yourself down everybody right so I mean safety accountability respect like continuous improvement these are things that we really believe in. And, and if we can if we can build our team to really love, love these core values, mm-hmm. we're going to build a team that, that, that feels comfortable coming to work every day, right? And not only will they feel comfortable coming to work every day, they want to go above and beyond every day. Right. But they exactly. want to be excellent, not on just some days, but every day. And yep. that's something you can't tell somebody to do. There's a big difference between someone who's going to try to just do the bare minimum to get their paycheck and somebody who's willing to go above and beyond. And I promise you, globally, the people who feel respected are the ones who are loyal and will go above and beyond. If if people feel disrespected that they don't care about me, so why should I care about them? I'm gonna just right. do the bare minimum. Like those kinds uh-huh. of behaviors are infectious and yeah. they can be they can really be, be poisonous in a Absolutely. in a system. Because even if those people haven't quit yet. They're sitting at their desks thinking about quitting. And yes, that's not exactly. serving anybody. That's not serving leaders. That's not serving companies. It's no. um, yeah. your customers and always being served at that point. You're right. And yeah. and, and again, so, so creating that culture. What what are your what are your core values with your team? What are the core values that you guys you know think about most that you that you you ask them to live by and at work and you know yes, take home with? That our core values are that we articulate clearly what our what the expectations are with our classes you know nine years ago when I created this thing it was such a a a unicorn of a class because a class like this had never existed before so the challenge was on me 
to find the language to paint the picture of what this was going to be mm-hmm. and what value this would bring. So my my goal and my whole team knows that we're going to be really clear on what people can expect and that we are going to work to exceed expectations. And that if we don't, if we make a mistake, we're going to admit it and make it right. Um, I believe in transparency. I, at the, you know, at the end of the day, we all need to go home and look in the mirror and, and, you know, have an opinion about who's looking back at you. And right. And I, I've taught that to my son and to anybody who will listen that assistants of the world know this, that, um, you know, we, we want to, what people know about me is that if I say it, it's as good as done that mm-hmm. my word can be taken to the bank and I won't, I just won't say it if, if I, if I don't believe I can deliver. Um, does it work 100% of the time? Of course not. Lots of mistakes happen, but what I know about moving around this, the world, literally the world is that most humans will accept anything as long as it's honest mm. that they will hear a tough situation they can they can wrap their arms around it they might not like it but there's i believe we've been able to diffuse a lot of negative feelings simply by getting ahead of a problem and not having people feel like uh they were misled or you know sure. misled I never want to take money for anything that someone doesn't feel like they're getting real value for. And my whole team knows that and knows that we're going to, we're going to do the right thing. I want to be able to be a role model for those kinds of ideas. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you've got it. You've got to deliver every day. And if you're, if you don't feel like you're delivering your, your customer tells you you're not then okay, what are we doing wrong? And Mm -hmm. and boy, I don't, don't want people to to pay the, pay the price for something they're getting no value for. Right. And so, yeah, if you have that mindset every day that I'm going to be worth, you know, our, our service is going to be worth more than its cost. We're going to deliver more than expected. You're going to do that. And then customer, yeah. you know, your, your, your association is going to grow. Your customers are going to grow. And yeah. So and you want your people to be proud of your company. I Absolutely. want my, everyone who works with me to feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of ultimate assistant training that, that it is, it's the ultimate. I mean, look what I did to myself. I put the word ultimate in the name of my company, in the name of my class. So I better, I better, uh, you know, put my money where my mouth is as it were. (laughs) Well, and and, and you are, you are, you're what, what, uh, you know, what you, you went from being an executive assistant. It sounds like a really fun career. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being in that, in, that, in that world you're in, right? And you had to meet a lot of new people. Be, you know, quite interesting, right? And then what what took you from that to being an entrepreneur, basically, and a leader of your own organization? My writing. At, at Rutgers University, I was a, an English major, and I love words, as I mentioned. And um, in, the, in about the fifth year of working with Olympia Dukakis, you know, my where my head would go would be, I want to be as great an assistant as she is an actress. And so I went on the search for a book and I, I went to Barnes and Noble <laughs> and um, looked for a book and found nothing, found nothing. I, I stood in Barnes and Noble and said, I think I have to write the darn thing myself. <laughs> and that's what's got to happen. 
And I, I decided, you know, I could spend the rest of my life complaining about the lack of resources for assistance, or I could do something about it. So the book was, the first edition was published in 2004, and I didn't leave Olympia till 2011. So in those seven years, the internet and, the, and Amazon, you know, selling the book on Amazon, and that enabled assistance from all over the world to communicate with me. And, wow. you know, when I wrote the book, I knew, I really knew that my book would resonate with assistance in New York, for sure. And Los Angeles, because there I am, a celebrity assistant. But I, I set out to write a book that would help all assistants. What I really didn't know for sure was how it was going to land in Indiana or Texas mm -hmm. or Italy. And then I started hearing from those assistants from all over the world, from Singapore, from Malaysia, of all places, wow. saying things like, Bonnie, your book was awesome. I walk in your shoes. I'll never forget one lady wrote that. I walk in your shoes. That's cool. That my experience was their experience. And so then it was like, oh, okay. And then I started getting inquiries for speaking and teaching. And, you know, the idea you said before about how women are reluctant to think that they have all the answers unless it's 95%. And I started getting assistants contacting me with their problems and challenges and struggles and I took a shot at trying to help them and said, mm -hmm. well, you know, I'm, I think I can help you here, but not totally sure. No. And what started happening was that my confidence built because what they were feeding back to me was that I actually did have the answers. I really did know. So now, now when somebody asks you, do you say, heck yeah, I can help you. I'm just well, the person. No, that wouldn't be a very, females would not respond well to that. What I <laughs> consistently do though is you know I hear them I listen I'm I'm a really good listener yeah and when I hear what they're saying I I can feed back to them you know what I hear you saying is this and so I see three options as possible suggestions here sure. are you interested in me telling you what they are that's a very powerful question Robbie by yeah. the way yeah, are right. you may I tell you what I think can I share with you what I, what I see, what I think I see. And then we say, well, you, you can go this way, you can go this way, or you can go this way. And it's up to you. It's, you know, every, what I see around the world is that humans want autonomy. We, you know, we get paychecks from our companies, but we want the ability to call our own shots about our own destiny. And to some degree, right. That we don't want to feel a victim of the world around us that we want to feel that we have some control about where we're headed and what we're going to do with this life that we've got, this 24 hours in a day that's going so fast. And um, and that's my approach to that. You want to maneuver with your, with freedom uh, to make your own choices and, yes. and see that your own results. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a natural thing. Huh? I think the most successful people are the ones who feel the freedom to say what's on their mind, to take action. I mean, I remember hearing from Debbie Gary a few months after she came to my class and she was, the enthusiasm and the excitement was jumping off the email yeah. from the freedom that she felt that you gave her the autonomy, you gave her the runway to like, I love those ideas, Debbie, do it, go. Yeah. You. That is magic for the partnership 
because then you know that trust is in place because money is involved. There's there's this whole bundle of human emotions that come with feeling trusted to that sure. degree. And that doesn't happen in a minute. You've been together many no. years. So that, you know, a lot of anybody listening needs to know that get, that kind of trust gets built over time. Um, but it's a process every single day. And, uh, and to choose the right thing is, is really, it's not an old fashioned idea okay. that it is really so, applicable. So tell, tell us about this next book now that's coming out. When's it coming out? And tell us about that. Yeah. Um, the book is with any luck, it'll be done by the end of 2020. Um, it's, I've written one. It's kind of, it's both a torture and a joy. Um, the book is about building an ultimate workplace. The book, the first book is Be the Ultimate Assistant. And the second book that I, you know, behind me, you can see a lot of leadership books and those aren't all the books I have. Um, I've read a lot of the, the best-selling books out there and I, I believe there are some pieces missing from the books that exist. And one of them is about the gender differences in the workplace. I want to talk about the ways to build an ultimate workplace and why it matters. Why does it matter in this workplace? If, if leaders are coming out of school and building businesses, and if, if in fact it's true that they want high retention, they want high productivity, and they certainly want high profits, then I believe that I'm seeing things all over the world that will help them do that. And part of it is the partnership between leaders and assistants. Um, and there certainly is going to be a chapter on discrimination and inequity in the workplace. Because when, you know, another word for inequity, if, if you feel like things are not fair in the workplace, mm-hmm. that's that's another word for discrimination, sure. right? And 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 that that's another word for disrespect. People, if people feel that it's not fair, then that is a feeling of disrespect, and that is a formula that puts a um, a process in motion for eventually that person is going to leave. But before they, and they'll probably go leave to work for the competition. Sure. So I want to reveal many of the things that. I have now talked to, to many graduates of business schools who tell me, who confirm for me, no, Bonnie, I didn't learn that in business school. Nope. Had to, had to kind of just learn by experience. Okay. Like, so what, I don't think so, that's good enough. I don't okay. think that's good enough. So something you mentioned there is, you know, feel disrespected in the workplace, this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a, there's a, I don't know if it's art, science, whatever to that, that you, that you that to, to go about confronting these things, right? I think that that some people are are just uh, they are who they are. They come from a paradigm different than mine or yours, and they, and, and they and they they come across across disrespecting maybe, mm-hmm. but they don't mean to, mm-hmm. and and they, they really care about you, but they don't seem like they do, right? Right. And so so how is it that we you know what, what do you you know how do you go about like confronting these things, right? To right. understand deeply if it's really a problem or if it's just that's this is their culture and you can help them improve on it so they don't so they don't disrespect other people right because i think there's there's often that's the case that i find it i mean i I, when i when i I have people on my team i don't want anyone on my team i don't think is is a loving person that 
cares about others. And but yet some of those people still they get frustrated over something or they're 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 uh, they're short because they're thinking about something else. Right. And they do and they have this little little uh, element of disrespect. But yet if, if that person that's disrespected can can confront them in a closed door room and say, gosh, you know, I didn't feel like I was respected the way you, way you fired at me, fired off at me like that. Right. I mean, there's gotta be a way to do that consistently somehow. Right? Sure. I don't think it, I don't see it being done well enough right. in, my, in my world. Is, I is would there- agree with you completely. And, that, and of course the key won't be surprised to you. It's communication, communication. Uh, yeah. but we're not teaching it. We're not teaching it to men and we're not teaching it to women. So mm-hmm. if someone is being disrespectful, but not aware of it, that's they're they're oblivious. Right. And so I ask a room full of assistants, what's the only way to help somebody who's clueless and oblivious to understand what's really going on? And of course, they shout back at me, tell them. Yes. And so the way to tell them, it, it really is about specificity and it takes practice because my sure. goodness, nobody likes confrontation. So the the main reason to confront anybody is about the future. It's about, I need to talk about what happened at the meeting yesterday because I want next week's meeting to be better. Yeah. So if someone offends you in a meeting, um, one of the strategies is to go straight to them after the meeting and say, may I have five minutes? I need to talk to you about what just happened in the meeting in there that when you said, and then you have to have the person say, yeah, okay, I have five minutes or no, I don't have five minutes. Well, if you don't have five minutes now, can I have it before the end of the day? Because I have something important on my mind. Right. Yeah. And it's these kinds of things need to be said calmly, clearly, and directly. And then, you know, to look someone in the eye, see, it's really easy to hit send on a computer yeah. <laughs> it's, it's way harder to look somebody in the eye and say, you know, when you said XYZ to me in the meeting just now, you may not have known this, but it made that made me feel that you don't trust my mm-hmm. work or that made me feel that you don't think I'm good at my job. And I need to ask you, it's bothering me so much. And I value our relationship. And I want to have a productive, um, you know, working relationship with you moving forward. I need you to please tell me, is, do you feel like that? And if if you don't feel like that, then could we make a change from now on? And because it's making me feel bad and it's preoccupying me, most people know that if you're worried about something, you're preoccupied, you're resentful, you're angry, whatever, that's taking up brain space, sure. valuable brain space that is not serving the company. You cannot possibly do great work if you're feeling. So, so, so the thing that I I, 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 um, I always challenges me is that I 100% want, always want a workplace that, that respects everyone that loves, and love, actually loves each other. Right? I want people mm-hmm. to love each other. I want, I want to love every team member that, that goes to work every day working on our, in our businesses. And I also would love them to love each other if I could, mm-hmm. right? Not to say it's going to happen, but right. it happens. It happens to try for. Try for it. And if they love each other as friends, they're looking out for each other. They care about each other. And hopefully the conversations get much easier to have, right? But but I think if as leaders, if we can grow leaders and, and executive executive assistants that you're talking about, that challenge, that that are willing to be challenged by people that report to them 
and in a way that's open and and, and, and fun loving. Hey man, challenge me. I, I ask people, challenge me whenever you can. If you don't think I'm respect, not respecting somebody, mm-hmm. you or somebody, please, please call me out. You will never, never get demoted, fired, anything for that. I guarantee it, right? And 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 I and I try to tell everybody that, but still enough of it doesn't happen in my opinion. Like the Debbie is great at that, right? And yeah. uh, my and my kids find it easy, of course, because I'm their 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 totally yeah. imperfect, imperfect father. But but many people still look at look at look at uh, me or people in positions of leadership and, and are still apprehensive and calling out, worried about that stuff. And I think if you can grow a, 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 you know in businesses that the leaders, whether they're you know VPs, their presidents, their CEOs, whoever, their managers yeah. are, are embracing embracing uh, people challenging them. Uh, it, it's a, it's an amazing environment, right? It, it is, but that requires role modeling for sure. Like in a staff meeting, if if your team sees somebody do it, Robbie challenges you on something, and you actually reward him for that. Yes. It's it's yes. really Pavlov's right. dogs. Yeah. So your theory here is if people are rewarded for doing the right thing to do what you're saying, which is to challenge you, which in a in a positive way, and to say, you know what, I I have a differing thought about that, Gary, can I tell you what I'm thinking? Yeah. And, and then people, other people get to see that Robbie got to say that and lived to tell the tale and right. he didn't get fired and he got promoted. Right. So that can you, that sends a really positive message and boy, assistants need that fivefold. Exactly. They need it even more encouragement. My own assistant, I have an assistant so the last seven years, we work virtually. She's in Jersey. I'm here in Florida, as you know. And when I hired her, I said to listen, the thing that is the, the one of the only things that's going to get me upset is if you know something or see something or hear something that I should know and you don't tell me because you're frightened to. I need you to be my eyes and ears. I more than anybody know that that the world is talking to assistants. I mean, Gary, you know that people say things to Debbie that they might not say to you. And and then Debbie can turn around and find a way to say something to you because you're the leader. We're the, when you're the, I don't really love the word boss. When you're the executive, when you're in charge, it's just human nature to not want to be the messenger of bad news, but Sure. We effective leaders want that, and of course, it takes a very secure leader to be accepting of that, and to to want to surround yourself with people who are who are smarter than you in certain yes. ways. Yes, that, that's in what many, I think. Many ways. Yeah. I love it, Robbie. What what else you got for for this this all star of a leader we got here? Mm-hmm. Wow. Robbie? I, one question that was coming to mind for me is obviously the next book that you're writing is in regard to the entire workplace. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to understand if your long run vision here is to eventually get into org place strategies and culture and development, or if you're thinking that you're going to stick towards the executive assistant route or what are you thinking? No, what I'm thinking is that in this book, in my first book about being an assistant, I was able to to tap my assistant colleagues from all over the world, celebrity assistants and other assistants. In this book, I'm, uh, I, and Gary, I think you've already said yes to me, that I'm inter- I want to interview CEOs like Gary. And I mean, nobody's like Gary, but you, you know what I mean. I'm going to be interviewing 
leaders, CEOs. I'm going to be, I have comments and quotes from HR professionals. I have quotes and commentary from recruiters and from assistants. And those are the four main constituencies in the workplace. These are the people, the stakeholders who are responsible for getting us all in a, in the building together or virtually, however that works. But it, these four constituencies are not doing a great job right now of talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's a lot of contention about HR departments and HR professionals and boy, the, the workplace is, you know, the, is they're being challenged. HR is being challenged. And I believe we could do a much better job of collaborating with them as opposed to, you know, many assistants feel like this with HR. So leaders and HR and assistants and recruiters, um, I want to all have a voice. I'm trying, Robbie, to give the people in our workplace who have often been invisible, I want to give them a voice in this book to reveal to any leader who is interested in what an ultimate workplace might look like, what do they need from that? And partly what they need, women need, is to not be sexually harassed, to not be bullied and intimidated in meetings, and by the way, to be paid fairly. Which I think is unique in the sense that it brings everything full circle. That was sort of where we started the conversation today. Mm. The takeaway that you had in early in your your life uh, through the discrimination that you saw and now moving towards the future, the vision that you're trying to ultimately transcend the future. These people have a lot of great things to say if we listen. Really, they do. I mean, we've hired them for a reason. Somehow there's a disconnect and once they're in our organizations, how do we continue tapping what they know and their brain power? These folks, men and women in the workplace, they are immensely talented and intelligent, but they don't feel safe to, in general, yeah, yeah. they don't feel I mean, safe to say what's on their mind. I mean, we're going to have a bunch of takeaways from this, Robbie. And I mean, one thing I take away, we, we need to get... Uh, in every aspect of our businesses, every every teammate should know the experts around them, and they they, they should also also identify their expertise, right? right? I mean, think about think about all the people in an organization that you know. We, we a bunch of people we say oh, these are our subject matter experts, right? But everybody, as you said, Bonnie is a subject matter expert in some some realm, right? I don't care if it's hey man, I, I spend my time out of work studying Major League Baseball. Yeah, okay, that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> cool because we've got a lot of customers. That that love baseball, yeah. that we love to entertain a baseball game. So you're the person that's gonna 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 set up the baseball schedule for any customers that go to baseball games, right? Or whatever it is, right? There's gotta be everybody has the, their their expertise, and it may and not be about right. your business. So it's so it can be so much fun to say, okay, yes. hey, Robbie, let's let's get this listed, and then okay, and then out in, inside our business and our circle yeah. of excellence for our customer, here's the expertise we need to surround ourselves with. But outside, here's that kind of a fun circle of excellence. Uh, that, that we can discover of, of our friends and business and our in our own business that they have they have you know fun things that, that we don't exactly. know about right right exactly that is really cool and I, I will we got we gotta um we, we gotta uh, uh, get done here in a short period of time yeah. I, I, I could talk to you for another three four five ten hours okay <laughs> this is blast and Robbie I'm sure you think of the same thing but uh, 
I, I really, um, I, I, well, number one, I'd love to help you with that book. And, and if I can be an interview, you, you know, you might not use anything, um, anything God, but that's okay. I'd you're love on my list. You're top of the list. And if you need any help on that too, I've got a lot of friends that I know would love to help you that have been top, top, uh, you know, place to work best and brightest. Like we have and many other friends of mine, best and brightest and top in the country places to work, um, that you might want to talk to as well as recruiters that are good friends of mine too, that have recruiting Perfect. businesses. That do good Thank stuff. you. So anyway, well, we just, we just did, uh, Scott Robinson, uh, a, a few weeks ago, he just came out his podcast or ditch digger CEO, an amazing leader in recruiting that you, you would love this, this person. Oh, He's really- I'll listen. I didn't have a chance to listen to it yet. So listen to Scott, and, and, and I, I know Scott would love to talk to you as well. So he, he's an amazing, amazing leader in, yeah. in the space recruiting. I, exactly recruiting I don't see the book that has brought these constituencies together. And I don't know if you have. I'd certainly be, I've been searching, but I, I think there's information that leaders need to know. Oh, I agree. 100% I agree. And from your perspective, I think it's better than the perspective that has been written. So mm-hmm. I, I want, I can't wait to see that. Thanks, so, Gary, so much. So we're, so we're going to go over, we'll go over the, hey, Robbie, I don't know if you got takeaways now or Chris does, but we can, we can add those later. I want to, I want to, uh, we'll download at the end of yours, uh, Bonnie, the, the great takeaways we got from you um, because we've got some great ones. And I, I really appreciate um, your time. I wrote down um, some actually. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think going back to the beginning of the conversation, and one of the takeaways that I heard from the way that you grew up was an ongoing acceptance of others and an empathetic feeling towards their backgrounds and their life experiences and how that impacts their day to day. Let me say, can I say one more quick thing about that? Yeah, Yeah. of course. That at uh, in my career, I've come to a, I have a theory. My theory is that we, as humans, put people in boxes, that we take a look at other humans, people in our, that we know, even our family, our friends, and we put them in a box. We have a sense of like, well, we know who Gary is. We have a sense of who he is. And we know certain things about him. We know certain things about his family. But my theory is that what we know about other people, we only know half. We only know half of what somebody is all about. And that the other half, we don't know. No, and we probably shouldn't even know that it's none of our business, it's theirs, but that, that we need to always keep in mind that we don't have a full handle on anybody <laughs> and, that we, and that we better, that it really serves us to ask, ask, you know, if somebody's interested in, in X, Y, Z, and you're so right to understand who the people are around you. Keep peeling back the onion when you can, when it, when it's right, when they yeah. feel Right, because it's so interesting as you peel back the, that onion. I mean, I, I don't care if I'm at a restaurant talking to a waiter or busboy or bus girl. Yes. Right, I, I love finding out about them. Right, where they're from, what, what got them here. Right, and it's so yes. much fun to, to peel back the onion of who that person is, and you find so many interesting things out it's about. It's so that true. You're just looking at, hey, did they get the, the uh, bread yet? Or did they get my my soup is in here yet? Right, no, I'm not. I don't. I'm not that enthusiastic about eating, so I I, I really love the. You know, going to a restaurant and figuring out who's this person, this waiter, this busboy, this bus girl, the manager. Who are they? Where do they come from? And why are they here? Right. Uh-huh. And it's, the, the things you find out are are are, are just so um, much fun. And that, that curiosity is, I feel certain, is part of your success, Gary. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I, I just uh, life life is a lot of fun if you love people, right? So, <laughs> and uh, some of the next couple takeaways then is. Every human, regardless of their backgrounds, is a subject matter expert in one area or another. 
And it's important for us to understand what their expertise is and ultimately share that knowledge, whether that's in an organization or just in your personal life. And I think that ties directly into the mentorship piece and that the future of business is going to rely heavily on mentorships and partnerships. Mm -hmm. And the combination of those two has the power to catalyze careers and lives. And the last is ultimately to operate the business with a sense of compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. I like. I love it. I'm, I'm looking. You, at, I'm looking at this bookshelf I got here that uh, that my daughter actually uh, took all the books out of boxes from her last house and, and stacked up this this crazy uh-huh. bookshelf. I got. And I'm looking at this. I'm looking at these books and saying these could all be friends and 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 co you know my coworkers and my friends and and uh, and people I aspire to be like that I might know right and uh, um, people I'm mentoring whatever every shelf could be. You know these these not a not a box, but different people and and their expertise. So every shelf, the expertise in, in in sports or all these these friends, these people over here, right? Expertise in business and 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 inspirational uh, you know inspirational uh, business are over here. Engineering, my engineering minded friends and 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 uh, relationships are on this shelf over here, right? And these you know it's just you you can really compare. I mean, you don't want to put people in boxes, but this is a way to say you know. How, how can I leverage my friends and also help my friends, right? Yes. Oh my I gosh, understand. like you as an individual are amazing, but you put yourself together with all the people on in those books. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's incredible. Great. great. So, Robbie, we got to figure out a way before Bonnie does some type yeah. of program where we can, where we can compartmentalize the, compartmentalize the uh, expertise of our friends and everybody we know so that we become much stronger with our relationships and our network and we make them stronger because you know if our friend is uh is uh art, art, artsy minded person they need a great engineer hey hold on let me look at my shelf of, of engineering minded people and that engineering person wants to learn about art hey perfect you're, you're gonna learn they're gonna learn about art through you i mean it could be so much fun and i, I it's I a think survey I, it's a survey and gary you get to put down the things that you're a subject matter expert about and robbie gets to do that for him and that these are the things and the, the caveat is you shouldn't put anything down that you're a subject matter expert about that you don't really have an interest in teaching others. If you're not passionate about it, forget it, right? Yes. Exactly. That, that's the thing is that you want to feel excited about doing that. Some things you're forced to be an expert at, right? Some of my friends, and unfortunately, yeah. are experts at divorce, unfortunately, <laughs> through a terrible divorce, right? And I, hopefully, I, I, will, I will never need them, right? But but they're kind of expert because they spend 10,000 hours on that divorce. <laughs> but either way, you know, it, it's some things you don't want to be to be the mentor yeah. on. Yeah. You can't it's, stand it's, the, it's, the subject. <laughs> so, hey, fine. to be able to do that. You're, you're awesome, kid. I really appreciate your time Thank today. You. And uh, we're really uh, going to have, we're gonna have a, this is going to be a great podcast. And I, I appreciate your uh, time and yeah, energy. I'm so happy to be here. You are an inspiration to people everywhere, and, and um, you know, leadership, and, and uh, you know, and, and just just you know, compassionate people everywhere that want to be in business and and, and want to have, have have fun around other people. So thanks a lot. And oh, uh, Robbie, any any parting words, Robbie? A big thank you. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, thank you so much, Bonnie. Yeah. You're so welcome. Thank you, guys. It's been it's been a gas. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Until next time. Thank you, Bonnie. We're uh, from from uh, all over the all over the world now because we're all isolated. I'm in I'm in Woodstock. Yeah. You're here in Florida. Right? We can't be together much with this this goofy virus going on. But hey, yeah. um, thanks for everything. Until next time, uh, 
See ya. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I can Discovered entrepreneurship Scaling business plans Then I became the CEO man We're blessed to build a business in America Where soldiers fight for our freedom every day Dad's work ethic was taught from the seed of a Gravel truck rolling down Highway 31. Lord, I was called Ditch Digger Man, aiming for a living and doing the best I can. Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans, then I became the CEO man.